0: Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you've taken the time
1: to join us for Texas Ag Today. Well, we all know we have a problem in the meat processing industry right now, and Washington is taking notice on Friday federal government announcing a five hundred million dollar plan to expand meat processing capacity here in the U.S. Plus, it's time to make those nominations for your county FSA committee. We'll have those stories and more coming up on today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande
2: Valley. There are all kinds of wheat varieties out there. Unfortunately, as some farmers are finding out, not every variety is going to work well in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: U.S. Beef and Pork team up with Mexico Local Food Products Campaign. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new digital map of broadband service
4: shows that rural Texas is not up to speed. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today.
1: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Time is running out for Texas farmers and ranchers to make nominations for their local Farm Service Agency county committee. Jessica Domel has the story.
5: FSA County Committee members make important decisions about how federal farm programs are administered locally. Anyone who has participated in a USDA program or has provided information on their farm or ranch to FSA is eligible. County committees are comprised of 3 to 11 members who serve three-year terms. To nominate someone, contact your local FSA office. The deadline is August 2nd. Ballots for those county committee elections will be mailed starting November 1st. Again, the deadline to submit a nomination is August 2nd. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack appeared in Iowa on Friday announcing $500 million to expand meat and poultry processing capacity in the U.S. The announcement supports the executive order signed Friday by President Joe Biden. Vilsack says the funds aim to create a more competitive market for farmers.
6: The executive order essentially directs the Department of Agriculture to take some steps which we are prepared to take, one of which is to strengthen our Packers and Stockyards Act so that we are able to identify when there's unfair practices or discriminatory practices or circumstances and situations where farmers and producers are not getting a fair shake from the market.
1: USDA announced its intent to invest $500 million in American Rescue Plan funds to expand meat and poultry processing capacity. They also announced more than $150 million for existing small and very small product- processing facilities to help them weather COVID, compete in the marketplace, and get the support they need to reach more customers. There are a lot of wheat varieties out there, but not all of them will work on the Texas High Plains.
2: James Hunt explains from Amarillo. Our story begins with Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell telling us some good news about conservation-minded farmers.
7: Over the past several years, we have increasingly seen producers who are really being more conscientious about soil management, incorporating a cover crop into their production system to minimize erosion, really thinking about how they're managing their fields. And in this region, we primarily see producers come in with a wheat crop.
2: Yes, even though we typically talk about wheat in our area being raised for grain, some farmers plant it strictly to cover the soil over the winter. But this year, the sudden strengthening of the wheat market caused some rethinking out there.
7: This year, because of high grain prices, we actually had many of the producers who were planting wheat only for a cover decide, hey, you know what, this wheat crop is looking very good. I'm not going to terminate it. I'm going to go ahead and take it to grain.
2: However, Dr. Bell says for some of those farmers, yields were on the disappointing side, likely because of what they planted.
7: As producers are out looking for seed sources for their wheat crop, oftentimes from a cover crop standpoint, they are getting wheat varieties that are not well adapted to this region.
2: Fortunately for farmers who might like a do-over, Dr. Bell says there are quite a few varieties developed specifically for our area, varieties that provide the maturities, heat tolerance, and disease resistance needed in the Texas High Plains. Every year, AgriLife publishes a wheat picks list with information on varieties that have been tested in our area. The latest edition is due out soon and will keep you posted. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. beef and pork are capitalizing on a
1: buy-local trend in Mexico. Tom Nicoletti tells how.
3: With the COVID-19 pandemic sparking a nationwide buy-local campaign in Mexico, the U.S. Meat Export Federation found a creative way to appeal to consumers' desire to support local agriculture. With support from the Beef Checkoff Program, the National Pork Board, and the Illinois Soybean Association, USMEF Mexico developed educational programs pairing U.S. beef and pork with local products such as hydroponic vegetables, coffee, and honey. Gerardo Rodriguez, USMEF marketing director for Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic, explains that the program has been well-received in a number of different regions in Mexico, with consumers excited to try new U.S. beef and pork recipes that also feature locally grown products.
8: There was a big campaign nationwide, consume locally. And for us, it was certainly a challenge at the beginning that everybody was consumed local, consumed local, consumed local. So we developed this alliance with agricultural producers of products that are not meat related. One of them is a family-owned coffee farm located in the state of Veracruz, very close to the Gulf of Mexico, and very well known in the region. What we are doing with them is we're developing products like coffee cream, coffee butter, coffee as a rub. And when we work together, we develop recipes using U.S. beef and U.S. pork, using those ingredients. We're educating the people how they can cook different type of recipes using local ingredients, such as the coffee. In the other example, a couple of families they are raising hydroponic vegetables in Mexico City, and we are developing recipes using all these hydroponic vegetables, so people can learn new ways of cooking. And at the same time, USMEF is supporting the local entrepreneurs. We have a list of products and states around the country. The next one is in the Yucatan Peninsula. We will work with the honey producers with habanero peppers we have the state of oaxaca the state of baja there is a lot of families and communities that they are reaching us saying we want to work together let's promote new ways of cooking us beef and u.s pork using our products so mef will continue to support and promote these educational programs supporting the local entrepreneurs the u.s meat export federation is also
3: highlighting u.s pork ribeyes and loin chops by partnering with a major Mexican distributor to conduct a series of U.S. pork grilling workshops in various Mexican states. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: A new digital map of rural broadband service shows that Texas is not up to speed. Gary Joyner
4: has more. If Congress soon provides funding to improve broadband access in rural America, where should the money be spent? A new digital map from the U.S. Commerce Department is pointing the way. The public map taps into data aggregated at the county, census tract, and census block level from several sources. It's easy to use. Areas needing attention turn bright red in color, based on the criteria selected. No surprise, many parts of rural Texas have connection speeds below the current benchmark for fixed broadband service. That speed is 25 megabytes per second download and 3 megabytes per second upload. Farmers, ranchers, and others who live in rural communities struggle every day with poor connection speeds. It slows down important work at the farm and ranch, impacts schoolwork, and hampers the ability to download and share important documents. The new maps should help officials pinpoint priority areas of need. It's one thing to hear from residents about poor connectivity. Now we all get to see it. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today.
5: A federally funded program helps landowners with conservation practices and hunters with opportunities. I'm Jessica Domwell and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And COVID-19 has sparked yet another vaccination debate in our country, and that discussion spills over into veterinary medicine. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: We've always had a debate in this country over whether or not to vaccinate both in humans and in animals. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says the evidence shows that vaccinations benefits definitely outweigh the risks.
9: There are folks that are pro-vaccination for their animals and those that are against the same vaccines. Although vaccines can have side effects, I can say millions of animals have been saved by vaccinations for various diseases. There can certainly be reactions and risk with any vaccine or medical treatment, but in most cases, at least in animals, the benefits outweigh the risk. Many opponents believe vaccines are unnecessary in healthy animals, that a single vaccine is good for the pet's entire life, And that vaccines can lead to other diseases as far as vaccine offering lifelong protection there's no evidence to support that statement vaccines may last longer in some animals but we just don't know vaccines are required in healthy animals as they are still susceptible to disease it is possible vaccinations could lead to immune mediated disease but the benefit of vaccination is much greater than the risk in most cases but check with your veterinarian. Some pet owners want the vet to give only half a dose of vaccine to small dogs to less likely cause a reaction. However, Dr. Brennan McKenzie indicates that there is no evidence to support that statement, and there is also no evidence to indicate that half a dose of vaccine is protective. There is some evidence that rabies vaccine does not prevent rabies for the life of the animal. Plus, rabies vaccine is required at least every three years by governmental authorities due to public safety concerns. So if you have a question about vaccine for your pet, check with your veterinarian who is your animal health expert. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: A federally funded program helps landowners with conservation practices and gives hunters new opportunities. Jessica Domel has today's wildlife report.
5: Texas landowners may now be compensated for allowing the public to hunt and fish on their land. These leasing opportunities are available through the federally funded Voluntary Public Access and Habitat Incentive Program. William Burkhead, coordinating wildlife biologist for Quail Forever, says there are several benefits for landowners who enroll.
6: We do pay for the leasing opportunities, and there's funding for habitat incentives so that landowners can do more wildlife-friendly management practices. Whether it's planting certain crop species or creating corridors or stuff like that, there's funding for that as well.
5: Burkhead says the program works with landowners to ensure that their needs are met.
6: Our contracts are very flexible if the landowner needs to have the lease completely shut down to run cattle or harvest a crop for a week during the season, we can for sure accommodate for that and essentially shut down the lease for that period. We also keep it to legal shooting hours. There's not going to be anyone uh, trying to camp or do anything like that.
5: There are also benefits for the general public.
6: It really just opens up more public hunting, which is going to, in turn, increase the amount of hunting licenses, which, you know, as we all know, it's going to increase the amount of actual funding for federal and state programs like the VPA through the Pittman-Robertson Act, which is just going to increase the amount of opportunities that state agencies, NGOs like Quail Forever and federal agencies can actually get some really good habitat and conservation work done.
5: You can sign up by emailing Burkhead at wburkhead at quailforever.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: Yet another jump in the corn market sent feeder cattle lower on Monday. We'll take a complete look at all of Monday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a Combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a
10: thousand times heavier than the Combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at
2: least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields.
4: It's no
1: contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver.
0: We've seen this happen
1: all year long. A big jump in the corn market puts pressure on the feeder cattle market. It happened once again on Monday. However, we did end up closing higher on the live cattle market. So, August live cattle were up 60 cents, closing at 119.82. The October up 22, 125.80. December live cattle up 47, 131.37. But the lower close in feeder cattle coming from the big jump in the corn market. August feeders down a dollar two, one fifty eight fifteen. September down eighty two cents, one sixty one even. October feeder cattle down seventy five at one sixty two ninety five. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on a Monday as we usually see. Show lists this week appear to be mixed, looking at higher numbers in Nebraska and Colorado but lower numbers here in Texas and up in Kansas. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice down two twenty-eight dollars at two seventy-six thirty-one. dollars Select up 77 cents, two fifty-eight eighteen. dollars Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
7: Well, good day to you, my Texas farming and ranching neighbors, and... Welcome to Walk in the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Let's get started with a look at Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. He's got a sale in Mason, come Monday, but he sold cattle in San Saba this last Thursday. Ken, how did it go?
10: Yeah, but Larry, we had a really, really good sale day. I thought overall, we had it at close to 2,500 head. I thought the quality was extremely, extremely good today. Uh, that pretty well uh, demand, I thought, was uh, just extremely strong. A Very very active market. A lot of buyers were leaving cattle after July, and it seemed to me just uh, there's a lot more enthusiasm. I thought overall, gotten the stocker steers. I thought overall they were fully steady. Had a group of four steers with five forty six of buck seventy two, uh, right at nine hundred thirty nine dollars on those. And I thought the sucker headers were also fully steady on them with good activity. I thought the feeder steers, especially those that are seven hundred pounds or up, they were five higher. With the balance of the feeder steers selling steady. I did have a really choice set of sixteen steers in one draft with seven seventy six. At a dollar forty three today, that's about eleven $1, hundred and ten dollars. I thought the feeder, dollar, feeder heifers were probably a full five dollars higher. Real good activity on them. I think the four heifers weighed seven forty one today, a dollar forty two, right at below little a thousand fifty two dollars. I thought the packer cows they were probably two higher today. Uh, I believe we had the top cow eighty four on that, and bulls were right at steady. And I think the top bull we had right close to a dollar a pound on those. I thought the pears and big cows were very active uh, and were steady on our limited test. Larry. Overall, pretty good sale today. Extremely good.
7: What's coming to Mason Monday?
10: Well, we know about six hundred head already coming. We got our stocker feeder sale that we always hold over there after 4th Live. So I'm going to look around that 1,600 1, head with a good active market. Larry,
7: tell everybody how to contact you.
10: You better then give us a call. Larry, code three two five three seven two five one five nine, or give us uh or go to our website also with digital information. You can at JordanCattle.com, Larry.
7: We'll talk to you Sunday evening. Thank you. You bet, Larry. Thank you. And Neighbor will report on his Mason sale this next week. On Walk in the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble. I've been with Ken Jordan. Good day.
1: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. where lean hogs took a nice jump on Monday. July hogs up $1. 47, $1.47, 47 August up two fifty dollars at one o four o seven. Class 3 milk was higher. August milk up 31 cents seventeen eighty-five dollars 100 weight. The cotton market closed higher despite what initially looked like a bearish USDA World Agricultural Supply and Demand report. Of course, we call that the WASDE report. That report raised the U.S. crop by 800,000 bales to 17.8 million, and that takes ending stocks from 2.9 million up to 3.3 million bales. On the surface, that looks bearish. However, the flip side is that that report showed world carryout lowered by 1.6 million bales. So the market took that as a positive move with that lower world carryout. We close with October cotton up 48 points, 88.47, the December up 45, closing at 88.16 cents. The World Ag Supply and Demand Report showing a tightening in old crop corn stocks here in the US, and that sent the nearby July contract almost limit up. It was up thirty nine and a half, closing at six sixty nine and a quarter. The new crop months getting support from that also, September corn up fifteen and three quarters, five hundred forty five and a quarter, December corn up sixteen cents, five thirty three a bushel. The wheat market getting a nice boost from that Wazdy report Monday morning. July Kansas City wheat up seventeen cents at six sixteen a bushel. July Chicago wheat up twenty six and a half six thirty five a bushel. Rice and soybeans both closing higher. September rice up three cents twelve eighty nine a hundredweight. November soybeans up 21 cents at 13.50 and a quarter. July soybean meal up 240 at 354.90 a ton. In the energy markets, August natural gas up 7,375. August crude oil down 31 cents, 74.25 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher on Monday. The Dow up 116 points, 34,986. The NASDAQ up 21 at 14,723. The S&P up 13 at 4,382. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. See you next time, right here on
0: Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.